Welcome to the Airport Experience News Podcast. I'm Ramon Lowe, the publisher of AXN and the host of this pod. As always, thank you to all who have been listening and to all who have subscribed. Please make sure to recommend us to friends, family, coworkers, uh, complete strangers who really would enjoy a great listen. Really, anyone. They can always find us in iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. So, this is episode 65 of the podcast, and here I chat with Jabberbox co-founder and co-CEO, Jeremy Jennings. And, well, if you've been to the Airport Experience Conference the last couple of years, you've had the chance to check out the Jabberbox units. It's essentially a personal workspace area that is really the size of a phone booth, if anyone listening actually remembers what a phone booth looks like. Actually, it, um, this, the Jabberbox units are actually much wider than a phone booth because you can sit in them, uh, they have a table you can plug in uh, and conduct your meetings. Anyway, it was great chatting with Jeremy and really learning more about Jabberbox, but also during the course of the interview, it was great hearing about Jeremy's experience of having to find a space to take a conference call and then settling on walking around I mean you're just gonna have to listen to the to the episode to get the whole story anyway here is my conversation with Jeremy Jennings so I'm here with Jeremy Jennings the co-founder and co-ceo of Jabberbox Jeremy thanks for taking the time to speak with me you're very welcome I'm really excited to be here so I believe it was a couple of years ago that you and I met, or oh, you, Brian, and I met, I think it was in Orlando. And I remember hearing about uh, what well, I guess amounts to a private workspace pod, I guess I would call it. Um, and it was kind of described to me kind of like a, like a telephone booth. Before we started recording, I, was, I kind of called it a TARDIS in some ways. But um, can you guys quickly describe the unit itself? Because it's actually really cool, at least from my perspective, it's pretty cool. Sure, thanks. No, we, we think it's pretty cool too. And, and, and luckily enough, we're, we're happy to... Happy to hear that a lot of other people think it's cool as well. Um, and, you know, Jabberbox has uh, certainly been called a lot of things, mostly <laughs> positive. Um, you know, modern day phone booth is kind of something that like clips off the top, but really co-working in a pod, a lounge for one, all types of different <laughs> descriptions. Because when people see it, they, they recognize immediately that it's a space that's inviting and there's, but they're not exactly sure sometimes what it is. And actually, when we first launched, we literally didn't add any kind of uh, marketing material or any other um, signage or collateral because we wanted to see what people's initial reactions were to the design and to what the product was and, and what how they would use it. So we didn't want to be super prescriptive. So Jabberbox is truly a the only... Um, modular product that's been designed and engineered for public space. Um, when you look at it, you know, a TARDIS or, you know, I, I <laughs> sometimes I think when we first met, I might have even called it a time machine because it literally <laughs> can transport you. Um, it's a four foot by four foot by eight and a half foot tall uh, steel construction. And it's, it's really a, a personal space. Um, we are. We have a a, a glass door. Uh, we're, we're squared, so you it's you know four foot by four foot by eight and a half feet tall, and literally it's a it's a steel construction um, uh, modular pod with a, a clear glass door in front of it. The interior is a um, a, a very comfortable uh, booth that you can sit down in, like a, a banquette with a work surface that's wide enough and deep enough that you can put your personal belongings, whether that's a laptop, some, you know, a cup of coffee, a pen and paper. Um, you have power and data inside. 
So you can charge your devices. You have a 24 inch touchscreen uh, LCD in front of you with, that's embedded with a camera, speaker, microphone. Um, you also have a, a color assignable light um, and all kinds of other like features and benefits that we can certainly get into. But when you look at it, it looks kind of like a really cool, like, you know, when people look at, um, I guess you can envision like a British phone booth. Um, we also, when you, you have a, uh, a, a topper and you have a ver we have varying lights that allow you to know when, you know, the booth is being in, in use. Uh, and, and we go back and forth. We call it a box pretty much day in and day out. But, but really, like people could say work booth, workspace. And I always like to, I really like to lead off by saying, you know, it's a, it's a technology enabled space that's meant to empower people, uh, really doing whatever you need to do inside of it. So, no, thank you for that. So let's let's actually start take a couple steps back. Uh, I want to know a little bit more about you. Um, I'd love to get a little bit of your background, how you and Brian, your your co CEO, co founder, met, and uh, yeah, let's start with there. Let's just get a little bit of background on you. Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, oh, the stories could be long and sorted, so I'll try to keep it brief. Um, and I'll also, actually start out with with Brian and, and talk a little bit about that relationship and, and how we met and kind of how this whole thing started. Um, so my co-founder, co-CEO, Brian Hackathorn, um, very good personal friend as well. We met back in 2006. Uh, his background was really design and architecture. He grew up building things, um, started out with like custom homes and then went into design school and really went into commercial office interiors and, and had a... Uh, a large role in designing how people work every day and interact with their office with clients like Bloomberg and Cooley and Dropbox and Shutterstock and all these real cool technology uh, companies, as well as law firms and other big businesses. But it really, um, you know, his last role before Jabberbox was he was a design principal at um, a large architecture architectural firm in New York City. Um, my background isn't quite as linear. So that's why I always like to start with this. <laughs> so my background, I came out of school and, um, and went into, uh, into retail. I uh, went into a buying program for a large retailer in New York City, uh, became a buyer, became, went, uh, became a, a private label um, manager, basically creating a brand out of nothing. Uh, kind of my first entrepreneurial experience. Uh, and fortunately, fortunately enough, it was learning on someone else's balance sheet. So I was, <laughs> it, was a, it was a really great experience. Uh, went out to, uh, got recruited out to San Francisco to a, to a global retailer running a large, uh, very large chunk of their business and over 1,200 stores in, in the U.S. And then realized at that time that I was, was always an entrepreneur in corporate clothing. I always felt like I, I kind of went against the grain in the corporate bureaucracy. So I, uh, I took a stab at, at a, uh, a much smaller uh, business, smaller industry. And so after about a decade in retail and, and running large businesses for Fortune 500 companies, public companies, um, and doing everything from private label sportswear to consumer products and uh, consumer electrics and importing and consumables and all these different product categories, I got introduced into the uh, phenomenal world of uh, FF&E, um, design construction. I, I went into a commercial furniture business as a, as a part owner and a principal. 
So it was a really far departure from where I was, but I always wanted to own a small, own a piece of a small business. Not quite linear, but that was back in 2006. And, um, and that's where I met Brian. Brian was a project architect, architect on a, on a uh, large project that we had just won. And we had a lot of interaction together and, and, there's probably a, a much longer story behind it. I can go into more detail, but that really started our, our friendship professionally uh, and personally. You know, fast forward uh, a decade later, and we were each uh, very, you know, successful in our own right. And I actually started consulting within uh, flexible workspace environments. So with companies um, like WeWork and Industrious and Serendipity Labs, and, and really like seeing how kind of the future of work had changed. And Brian was really in that, um, yeah. you know, always designing and thinking about how people engage with their environment. So that was kind of our background and, and really why we were positioned in this unique place to kind of bring Jabberbox to market. So my next question for you, and this is the part that I usually enjoy, I, you know, I love hearing the stories about the birth of an idea or a company, you know, it's usually started on a cocktail napkin, you know, over drinks or something like that. But would love to have you share kind of like how you and Brian kind of came to envision um, Jabberbox. Now, you both said that you've worked in the, uh, the workspace environment uh, uh, industry area. Um, maybe that's maybe it's as simple as that, but love to just hear what was the inspiration with creating the Jabberbox unit and obviously its various applications. Sure, sure, absolutely. And and by the way, there are several cocktail napkins uh, that we need to have framed at some point. So every every good story starts on a cocktail napkin, right? Um, yes. Actually, it's you know it really stemmed from personal need. And this is uh, I'll try to run through this kind of quick, but really, um, Brian had the initial uh, kernel of the idea and really seed, and and he needed he was in between uh, locations, in between meetings in New York at what was called a pri- uh, privately owned public space, basically an arcade um, outside of a commercial building lobby in New York. And he found himself, he had like, his office was downtown, a meeting in Midtown, and he had about two and a half hours to kill. So, you know, he could have went to a coffee shop or something to eat and like and probably been harassed, but he actually had to get some work done. And he also likes the people watch. So he sat in this public space and he noticed you know, the construction workers looking for power outlets. He saw the business person on the phone, saw some sort of professional services person, the accountant or, you know, financial advisor scrambling the papers on a, on a platform. And all this, all these things kind of came together once and he just wrote down literally in his iPhone, probably three at the time, like, you know, <laughs> a modern day phone booth. And that was, that was the very beginning. About a few weeks later, Brian and I uh, met up for lunch, as we always did, usually monthly, just to, you know, really just to chit chat about kind of what was going on, trends. And we always had, you know, this like idea session. And I usually brought these, you know, all these ideas to the table. And, and Brian, as soon as we sat down, Brian's like, I have an idea for you. I'm like, all right. And, and Brian, I've always found to be extremely um, strategic and thoughtful and a deep thinker in a lot of different ways. And he's like, well, he's like, the way people work has changed. He says, you know, technology, and I don't know if he said it quite as eloquently, but this is what he meant. The technology has enabled people to be mobile, but there's nowhere for them to go, for them to work. And it just kind of hit me over the head because I was, I, you know, having this consulting practice, was really a, a mobile worker. Um, as long as, you know, we like to say, like, if every, every company wants to be a tech company, and every company believes they are. Well, every person with a smartphone 
is really a mobile worker. And that was true when we started the company and it couldn't be more true today. And it will be just pure 100% you know, truth going forward. Um, so basically, you, you said, you know, we need a modern day phone booth that, that helps us. Like the, the <laughs> or you said modern day phone booth, but I think the concept was really like, there's nowhere for people to go. Um, the physical environment hasn't responded to technology. And it just, I just kept thinking about that all day. And, you know, I, I had recently, like a week before that, was coming out of a train in New York. I got text to jump on a call with the CFO to talk about a deal. And, and literally, I was in the middle of the streets of New York. Like, where would I go? So I ran into a Starbucks, loud, busy, coffee grinding, great place for coffee, but awful place to jump on a professional call. I went into a building lobby. I wasn't there to, since I wasn't there to visit anyone or I wasn't a tenant, security asked me to like leave. I ended up taking the call walking around a Dwayne Reed, like a, it's, a, it's basically a drugstore in New York, pretending to look at merchandise while on this like phone call that was like really important, trying to sound professional and waving off like the staff as they were trying to like help me. I'm like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. And I, you know, it's funny because I tell this story to people and they're like, oh my God, like I go to this certain hotel and I have to tell them every time, like, I don't need anything to drink. I just need to take a phone call. Or, I, I, you know, there's so many people that come up to me and they're like, oh my God, like that's exactly, I'm that person all the time. So, so going back to, to like the, our origin story, um, I remember sending Brian a one page you know, I'll call it a business plan, but it was really like, <laughs> it was like four or five sentences in an email of what this business could be. And I called it like Zipcar for space. This idea of, you know, a community-based, uh, catered to mobile workers, short increments of time. And this idea that it was like a shared asset that multiple people could could use during the day and have and gain value from. So this idea of like this, like, you know, zip car for space, truly. Um, and that, that was the beginning. That was literally uh, uh, four or five years ago. Wow. So, or, or they're like those scooters that I find like piled up like downtown and, <laughs> you know, I'm always tripping over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, to it. it's funny because like this whole idea of like shared economy mm-hmm. and on-demand economy, um, it's it certainly, it goes, it ebbs and flows as people need. And, and you know, the scooters thing is, it's just, it's the biggest like in your face thing, but this idea of like this trend of micro mobility yeah. is real. And it, you know, you can, you can talk about people, planet and profit, like triple bottom line, but the ideas of scooters are, is taking people out of cars, is giving you sh- short point A to point B access and it's affordable. So it really makes a lot of sense. There's, so, you know, it's a brand new world and people are trying to figure it out. And that's why there's scooters like, you know, every which is from a from a aesthetic point of view is not great but they're really delivering and there's others there's all kinds of other you know micro mobility things that are happening funny no. thing is within yeah. the within our world of i i call jabberbox we're kind of um we fall within an ecosystem really and we're an eco in within this ecosystem of flexible on-demand mobile working mobile space um, and there's really there's a trend now that it's like micro co-working micro mobility micro technology and it's it's really reinforcing these remote workers mobile workers people that need access to private space and that's that's really where we where we fall in 
No, yeah, and, and that's uh, just as an aside. Um, my parent company now has uh, really embraced the whole remote work, not 100% remote, but the flexibility of being able to work remotely and, and plugging in wherever needed. And the way our parent company, well, the parent company that owns Airport Experience News is owned by another parent company based in the UK. And their spaces are set up in a way that uh, I guess you can really work out of anywhere. So you have your laptop and um, conceivably you could just plug in oh, I'm, I'll be working from the UK office, from the Connecticut office, whatever, and you just plug in and, you know, it's you're ready to go. Obviously, it's not furnished with, you know, pictures of your children and, and things like that, but it's it's really just purely, <laughs> well, it's purely, or, or you can you can have someone's children <laughs> at your desk, but it's purely a workspace environment, like what you're saying. Well, I, th- I think what's, you know, what's happening, and a lot of this is because of, now, I, I think it starts with the baseline technology, and then you start thinking about people's, lifestyle and people work style and you think about the war of talent and how do you how do you enable people to do do things that they they love and they have a passion for and they're really good at and skilled and how to how do companies attract these people well yeah you can you can pay them um but as as i think we've all read like you know salary and compensation is just one piece of like the overall a person's happiness with yes. what they do a lot of people, they look for flexibility. The fact that you have working fathers and mothers and you have people that, whether they love to travel or they need to be home to take care of uh, a family member, or they, they just, or, or the fact is they don't really need to work, you know, 40 hours, 50 hours, 60 hours a week. They, they can be really productive on, on their own time. And, you know, and then, and then you like some of those macroeconomics, like, you know, commuting time, like, Okay, so a company's going to pay me, but I have to spend two hours a day commuting to where yeah. I need to work because they can't afford to live there. So housing crisis, affordability, like all these macro things, and then you layer in this technology, and it's like it's kind of a no-brainer to let people have some flexibility. And the fact, and then then you add in like obviously people have to travel or work, and then the fact that if you can make them productive while they're traveling. And, they, and then, oh, by the way, if they happen to be going on a vacation somewhere because of technology, they're probably somewhat more accessible and they probably don't mind jumping on that, you know, 45 minute call if they have to, if they know that they can get an extra three or four days away with their family. So it's a give and take. And, and what we're trying to do is really provide tools that allow for this maximum kind of value, productivity, happiness matrix. Maybe the first time I've ever expressed it like that, but I think it's I think it's pretty accurate. Well, I, I kind of push back a little bit because it's not so much technology as it is an advancement or maybe an evolution of what our vision of a workspace is. Because I think people always think uh, tech, it, it's, you know, all of a sudden I can step in this box and it's like an uh, augmented or a virtual reality world and, and I can get my job done or whatever. Right. Really, it's just the next iteration of what, like you were saying, what a workspace is. So really, you're just an advancement on the work and <laughs> the work environment in some ways. Yeah, I mean, I, I think like, you know, it's, well, it, it's kind of when, you, you know, technology, obviously, and I know the, the audience is probably pretty varied in, in, in range. And when you say technology, some people think that that's an AirPod. Some people yes. think that that's, you know, technology is virtual uh virtual reality and some people think technology is a time machine. So but technology, I, I would I like to go back to tools and, and think about like, by the way, like because of because 
because I am productive wherever I am, it's because I have the tools to do so. I have my laptop, I have my my cell phone, I have my earbuds, so I can be productive wherever I am. I just actually need that space because yeah. you know sitting sitting in a in a gatehold with you know, and I have three kids, and so I can I can talk, <laughs> I'm able to talk about like kids and families running around. I know that when my kids are running around in the airport, the last thing I can do is be on whether it, whether it's a video call or a, a serious conference call, because I'm the guy that's muting in, muting out. And I'm like, yeah. and you can hear me saying, shh, quiet, quiet, guys, come on, let's go. Daddy's got to work. Or, you know, or I'm next to that guy that's on the phone and my kids are doing it and I feel awful. So it's, you know, you need the space. So it's funny because we start, you know, when we first started this project and there, there's so many different, you know, tangents we could take this on, but when we first started this this business, this model, this vision, um, we thought we were solving for kind of, again, tools around like power and data and, and technology. And the reality is what we found is that we were solving for, for privacy, for civility, for, and I, I'm still working on this word and description, but like betterment. Um, because we thought we, we thought we were just creating, to be honest, like a workspace. Um, the reality is that people have shown us, told us, post on social media all the time that this space is actually, it's their own, their own personal space for short increments of time to do what they need to do. And what that means is like, we, you know, we're in five airports today. We have a couple more going live before the end of the year. And we have a, a super aggressive uh, schedule for next year on scale. But we see people in like, we're in LaGuardia Airport which was our first practicing violin. Um, we see people like doing podcasts. We, we, we have people, and when I say we see, because they, they post on so, social, not we see them, but we, we see them posting on social that we're getting emails around, hey, you know, I had to take that, not only like productivity things like work, but I had to get my, I had to, I went in to meditate. Because you know you can you control your environment. You can turn the lights blue. You know the fans are blowing down on you. It's this quiet kind of serene environment where you can you can meditate and relax. And um, you have you know people that are uh, that that are uh, introverts that actually comment all the time that they love being in the space because they don't they don't want to be around the masses of people. So. We talk about different use cases. Like productivity is certainly the first. I mean, we are a workspace. There's no denying that. We embrace it, and we really, really uh, think that we add a lot of value. But there's other use cases around privacy and wellness. Yeah. Um, soon there'll be fe- you know features and benefits. So like entertainment, we've had people go in and game for hours. Um, so there's there's a lot of different things. It's we've given you your space for. You know, you can book up to two hours at 15 minutes a day or 15 minutes at a time. So it, it's really your personal space for whatever you need. No, that's great. Well, it's funny because like, again, I keep taking this off, off the script a little bit, but I know that it's like looking at an iPhone, right? It's not, it's just not a new phone. It's a new connectivity device. Just And again, I see your item is not like a new workspace. It's just like you were saying, it's a new way to, have some stability to better your meeting, some privacy, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, it's, it's great. No, I, no, I, and I love going off topic by the way. And as you can tell, I can be a little verbose at times. So please just pull me back in. But 
we are we are a, a connected tool. We're a IoT, a Internet of Things device. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're unattended. We're remotely controlled and monitored. We can basically do anything that needs to happen to the box from anywhere in the world. So whether it's a reboot, a Wi-Fi, a connectivity, um, you know, there are all kinds of things. And our roadmap, uh, we'll be adding a lot of different things that when you go in the box, we want to be able to personalize the space to you. So if you want to connect to your favorite uh, video platform or your favorite social platform, we've given you a, a place that you can do that. You want, so I think when you, when you, I'm a Samsung guy personally, so, but my rest of my family are Apple, Apple people. <laughs> so when you say we're like an iPhone, I think you're, you absolutely connect to the essence of you're a tool and, and we're, we're a piece of the puzzle. My next question now, just bringing it into my space, uh, airports, you have, you're, you're in, you've, you've been, you've, you said you've mentioned, uh, I'm sorry, you've mentioned that you've been in several, you've had several installations now. Um, LaGuardia was your first. Um, and yes, people are getting to the airport sooner. Uh, but it seems like with the advent of so many time-saving convenience services like uh, like pre-check, order head services, food delivery, uh, valet, you know, connect, and, and also connection times are shrinking. And really the sum of all those little things tend to erode dwell time or at least maybe minimize the opportunities for folks to use a Jabber box. Do you see that or or is, are you going in the direction? No, I think, you know, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that because I absolutely agree. And as someone that's, you know, TSA pre clear and I, I, I'm up in the air, you know, as much as any, anyone probably listening to this. So I'm, I'm certainly in that space where I, I know exactly what I need to do. I think, I think the, the way to look at it is not necessarily minimalizing dwell time, which, which certainly happens. But when you give people a reason to be there. They've already planned kind of their day and their that that day of travel. They already know how much time it gets, how much time they need to get there, how much time they need to get through. But if you can give them a space, an amenity, something that they're like, you know what, I'm going to spend a half an hour, hour of my day doing X, Y, or Z. And in our case, let's, let's just use like, you know, um, a work as, a, as an example. Like, as opposed to scheduling that call for, you know, 8.30 and then I have to go to the airport, I can actually go to the airport, get settled, be in a very like a present mindset because by the way, I'm not worried about getting to the airport now. Like I've reduced that stress where I can be productive before my plane. I can perform my flight. I can feel better during my flight because I'm not antsy or I didn't like, oh, I, you know, I messed up on something. So I think it's about being present and adding value. What we've seen actually is that, and we're we're trying to you know pull this the exact data to pull together is a little tough, but what we what users tell us and we call them members um, tell us is that now they know Jabberbox is there, they'll actually get there a little early because they can they know that there is a space for them. They know that there's something they can go in, they can drop off their carry on, they can put their laptop on laptop in and they can like and because we're access controlled they reserve for an hour they drop their stuff then by the way because they're there an hour before there's a halo effect on the concessions around they can go out grab that coffee grab the bagel come back in prep for their call do the call feel better and then oh by the way they might check in with the family before or do it while they're in the jabber box like the idea of jabber box is that we're we're meant as an adjacency to other amenities so we we're our most productive units are outside lounges, uh, airline lounges, because by the way, what we're providing, our value proposition 
is different. We're providing privacy and connectivity and the ability to be focused. When you're in an airline lounge, um, my value proposition is, hey, there's, you know, food, drinks, restroom, better service, more, maybe it's more comfortable, but you're not getting privacy. You're not getting connectivity. You're, you're not getting the ability to focus. So it's, it's been interesting that, um, that what our members tell us is that they've actually gotten to the airport earlier. So I think we have this really positive halo effect on, on the surrounding services and concessions. And that, that's what our, that's what, you know, people have told us thus far. And, and you can kind of see why when you start thinking about your day of travel and how hectic and scheduled and rushed you are, as opposed to if you could plan it out a little bit more thoughtfully. So you are, you guys are obviously in different um, venues besides airports, correct? That's correct. Well, outside, so within um, Jabberbox, as in a public space amenity or, or tool, we're, we are also launched in a commercial office building lobby in their public space mm-hmm. in Chicago. Um, it's, called, it's called the Chicago Merchandise Mart, one of the largest okay. buildings in the country. Mm-hmm. And they have a, an amenity area that has, it's called Marshall's Landing, where they have a coffee shop and they have kind of like free co-working space. They also host a lot of different events. And there, there's a bar at night that turns into kind of like a social area. And we're their, their answer for, you know, private space and quiet space. And, and also during the day, it's, a, it's an amenity for tenants. And, um, and, and the use, you know, goes on and on. That's great. We will be going into other, yeah, just dovetail out. We will be going into other spaces. Um, we have some other launches planned in 2020 that include other commercial office buildings uh, domestically um, in, their, in their public space, um, malls, hospitality, retail, coffee shops. So you'll, you'll really see kind of airports are, are our, uh, one of our highest and most important priorities. Mm-hmm. And you'll start seeing other additional ecosystem plays come, come out where they make sense. So... Jeremy, my last question for you is, I just would love for you to look in your crystal ball. And you kind of touched upon it uh, at several points now. Would love for you to kind of share, well, actually, let's do this. Uh, maybe just uh, share um, some of the newer installations. You mentioned LaGuardia, et cetera, but some of the ones that um, have uh, you just recently opened, I don't know if you're able to share those that will be coming up in the pipeline, <laughs> but would love to hear more about <laughs> locations, but also just um, what, what's, the next, uh, what's next for Jabberbox? Sure, absolutely. Thank you. Um, and so today, five airports. Um, we went with the LaGuardia uh, Central Terminal B, um, live in JFK Terminal 4, Cincinnati International, Pittsburgh International, and our most recent addition to the family was Oakland International. Um, and what's interesting is that Oakland opened up in, I think, August. So it's been live somewhere between four and six weeks. Um, and it's been the popularity and feedback has been through the roof. The uh, users or, or people in that airport that are going through, we've gotten so much positive feedback and people are just saying, like, we've, we didn't know we needed this, but now we, now we have it. We can't live without it. And it's pretty, it, it's really a, kind of an interesting phenomenon. Um, someone actually posted that, you know, Superman had a phone booth. I had a jabber box. It's probably one of my favorite posts of all time. Um, well, honestly, Jeremy, the, the, the Jabber box looks a lot cooler than the phone booth, in all honesty. Well, thank, thank you. We, 
both Brian and I really appreciate that. And, and Brian is the creative genius behind all of this. Um, certainly, certainly, I'm sure he'll be smiling when he listens to this. Um, so we have, you know, five active airports. We have a couple airports coming up before the end of the year. Uh, we are under a, a PR embargo. So uh, you'll hear about one probably uh, by the end of October and one, two more, uh, you know, this calendar year. Um, so the, I guess the, the airport, you know, space really is that kind of top layer of the ecosystem. We see people and, and across um, sides of airport and need and, and there's different ways that we evaluate the airports. It, it's, it's interesting because when we first started, it was like, you know, breaking through a door, like a steel door that, that was impenetrable. Yep. And now we have airports reaching out left and right. Um, you know, I, I got an email from a airport CEO saying, we want to be the next Jabberbox activation. And that was so cool. Um, so for us, we're just, it's really just a, a, a race and we're just trying to slot people in and, and move as quickly as we can. Something that's really important to us is, in the, is we, we think about that member experience and, and why they're using Jabberbox and always to that constant improvement and to be better tomorrow than we are today. Um, when I say we we're provide, you know, we started off thinking we need all this like hardware to kind of create this space. We actually need a really comfortable environment. That was kind of like step one. Uh, right now, our users are telling us that the features they want are a reservation. They want the ability to book out saying, oh, I know I'm going through, you know, Cincinnati Airport next week, or I know I'm going through Pittsburgh in a few weeks. I want to be able to book uh, a, a space two weeks out knowing that when I schedule that conference call, I have a place to take it. I'm not scrambling around last minute and I, I we get inbounds I mean every single day asking to reserve and, and that's a feature that we're not yet live with but we will be and we, we will be um, by the end of the year so we'll have reservation you mentioned that scooter experience um, <laughs> you know our app will be going live at the end of the year uh, we're not we're not a scooter not yet we're not into true mobility uh, yet we'll put some wheels on it down the road but um, our app will go live and that will get, start giving you uh, the ability to you know, create a profile, gain access all through your phone, payment all through your phone, um, give you uh, interaction with the Jabberbox uh, reservation. And when you're inside, this is another, this was kind of something that was, you know, again, the users brought out. When they're inside, their time runs up, the box shuts down, they know that it's over, but in order to extend today, they have to go outside and go through you know, this payment flow in, in a few months, so all, they'll be extending from their app. So you're, you know, while you're on the phone or on your device, you'll get a, you'll get a ping saying, hey, you're, you know, your reservation's up in five minutes, do you want to extend? And they'll be able to do that. So we'll be adding a lot of cool features and benefits. When we start looking out even beyond that, we see this, this global ecosystem of on-demand and reservable space. The Jabberbox today is our vessel. So that modern-day phone booth, that TARDIS, that's our vessel today. That vessel will continue to iterate as people to what people need. And that can include larger spaces, modular. That could include helping activate other people's space to, be, to create this experience, this destination. Um, you know, we're truly a technology platform and this, this merge, this combination of hardware and software that's, that's pretty unique out there. And, and we think, you know, what we 
if we stay true to uh, empowering people through enabled space, I think that that can lead us to some really, really interesting uh, places. Well, I can't wait to, I mean, I tried one when you guys were at the show, but I definitely want to uh, experience the Jabberbox in its native you know, environment, <laughs> in an airport. So <laughs> forward to it. I, I'm, I'm envisioning that like, that, uh, that um, safari voice, like as Ramon comes up <laughs> to the Jabberbox in its native environment at gate E3. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was going to try to bust oh, yeah. out my. I was going to try to bust out my best Steve Irwin or Crocodile Hunter voice, but uh, that, that's, that's, exactly. that's another, that's exactly. another time when you, Brian, and I are, are together. So don't. Worry. That's another time. I am looking forward to the next uh, the next airport experience show for sure. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Jeremy, thank you for taking the time. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jeremy Jennings of Jabberbox. And uh, when you're traveling out there and you see one, definitely feel free to check one out. Anyway, here we go again uh, for a third episode in a row. We're going to the Airport Experience News podcast mailbox. And I have a couple questions, both from Kate Webb of Tampa International Airport. If you were not aware, Kate was, um, I believe, a couple episodes ago in uh, Ones to Watch. And it was a tremendous interview. I definitely recommend that you go back and listen to that one. I was fortunate enough to interview Kate at the airport and then go on a tour of the new facilities there in Tampa. Um, great airport, great uh, commercial team there, great leader in Joe um, Lapano. Definitely want to check that out. Anyway, let me get to Kate's two questions. And, and God bless her, she came up with two really fun ones. Um, what can't you travel without? Um, what can I travel without? Um, unless I know I'm going to be uh, flying Delta, and I know I have a pretty new plane, hopefully it's an Airbus A320, um, I usually load up my iPad and use that as an opportunity to catch up on some movies that I just have not been able to watch. Um, if they're long enough, I just kind of load up, uh, go through iTunes, or maybe go through Netflix um, and download some movies there. Just, you know, anything to kind of help pass the time, really. So it's, it's really a time for me to, to catch up. I can't sleep on a plane, so I might as well just catch up on, on movies because I'm a big movie person. Uh, her second question, window or aisle? I kind of go back and forth on this one. I uh, used to prefer the aisle because um, on, long, on the long leg of a trip, I tend to get up and use the bathroom a lot. Um, but lately, I've been enjoying the window. Um, just because uh, I've gotten to the habit of really taking off, um, uh, as we take off, taking pictures with my, with my phone um, and videotaping our, our takeoff and our landing. Now that my children are traveling, especially my son, he's really into seeing me uh, kind of visit other airports, especially when I'm landing because it's just really cool for him. So window or aisle. Actually, I've done all three. When I'm traveling with family, I usually take the middle seat so my son can get the window seat and he can have the benefit of just watching the beautiful clouds go by. So I guess all three, I'm sorry Kate, I didn't really get to answer <laughs> questions. I, I guess all three then. Um, anyway, thanks again uh, Kate for sending those questions in and to all listeners out there, please feel free to send me your questions. You can email me at ramon at airportxnews.com and in the subject line just put in podcast questions. And anyway, until then, thanks for listening.